Friends, I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's Word together from the first chapter of the letter to the Ephesians, beginning with the 15th verse. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Today is an important day in the life of the church in a couple of ways. First, in the church year, today is Christ the King Sunday, a day in which we acknowledge that our ultimate allegiance is to Christ and to no other. This is the last day of the church calendar. The church year will begin anew uh, again next week with Advent, and it'll go all the way until Christ the King Sunday next year. So every year we as a church celebrate this as the story of our faith. We begin with hope and anticipation for the coming of our Lord, and we move through Lent and Easter, Pentecost, and so on, until we end the year with this reminder of Christ's lordship over all, and that one day his kingdom, his reign, his rule will be complete. But we also know that this uh, coming week in our country is Thanksgiving a day in which we give thanks for all the blessings in our lives. Uh, and we, we certainly see this celebrated in, in our beautiful uh, table uh, decora decoration this, this day as well. Uh, and while this is technically not a church day, there is certainly churchy elements to, to our celebration of Thanksgiving. And as we know, this Thanksgiving is going to look a little different in many households, because of COVID-19. So how on earth do we give honor and attention to both of these special days, these emphases, uh, especially in the light of the world we find ourselves in in such an uncertain, strange year of 2020? Our reading this morning from the epistle to the Ephesians gives us a template for thanksgiving and describe how acknowledging Christ's rule unites the church and charges us to live out the gospel. Our reading today begins in good, old-fashioned, first-century Hellenistic letter-writing fashion. I know, fun, right? I'm sorry for geeking out a little bit. What I mean to say by this is that this, this starts out with gratitude, thanksgiving. Because of the Ephesians' faith and love, the writer never ceases to thank God for them and remembers them in prayer. This writer, who is likely a later protege of Paul, is grateful for the Ephesians, for the Christians living in Ephesus. But that gratitude, that thankfulness, 
is rooted in God. He gives thanks to God for the Christian community in Ephesus. What this shows us is that for the Christian, all gratitude is rooted in God, the source of every blessing. But this writer models something else for us as well. The way we name and place this gratitude to God is in prayer. Remembering, naming our sources of gratitude and prayer keeps us mindful of God's blessings in our lives. And it's a powerful, powerful thing to do. Quite a thing to be reminded of as, as we near our, our celebration of Thanksgiving. Especially in a year where there has been so much uncertainty, there is still so much for which to be thankful. As we move now to the theme of Christ's lordship and reign, it's important to note that the letter writer uh, here is addressing a church facing some pretty drastically changing community dynamics. The church in Ephesus was composed partly of Jewish Christians and then more and more later Gentile converts. And so this, this writer realizes that as more Gentiles join the church, the more their community changes, the dynamics within their church change. And the more it changes, the less inclined they are to do things as they did before in the synagogues. And these changing dynamics were met as often in human history with resistance and conflict. Change is hard for, for everyone. With change comes loss of stability. With change comes a, a loss of the feeling of control. Something we know all too well in this year of 2020. So how does this writer decide to address uh, these Christians giving all the conditions stated? By reminding them of Christ's ultimate power and rule over creation. After thanking God for their commitment to the gospel, he doesn't come right out and criticize them for not being united. Instead, he says he prays for them, asking God to instill in them the spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. Then he says, so that the eyes of your heart, with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. This is a hope that is shared by all who are in Christ. This hope can do extraordinary things, but you know, it, it doesn't stop here. He continues by invoking God to equip the Ephesians for ministry. God has put this power to work through Jesus. Through his birth, his ministry, his dying, rising, even his ascending. And from this, God has given him the name that is above every name that is named. The true power and authority and reign of Jesus is present. It's here now and will be fully realized when he returns. The Ephesians, who are living in a time of constant change and division, are reminded that whatever loyalties they have, whatever pride they carry, all these things are secondary to our ultimate allegiance to God and to Christ's reign. And we're reminded of this each year as we celebrate Christ's rule and reign as his church. We're reminded of Christ's rule over our lives, of the church, of the world, of human history. Really, in essence, it's a radical reorientation of our priorities, our lives, our world, of what's important 
and of who is ultimately in charge. Theologian H. Richard Niebuhr, I think, says it best when he says that Christ's reign points us away from the many powers which men use and on which they depend to the one who alone is powerful, from the many times and seasons of history with their hopes and fears to the one who is Lord of all times and is alone to be feared and hoped for. He does not direct attention away from this world to another, but from all worlds, present and future, material and spiritual, to the one who creates all worlds, who is the other of all worlds. Friends, we're reminded of Christ's reign each year, that we might commit anew to living into it. Living into Christ's reign means not lifting ourselves up, but rather living into the gospel call to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and proclaim the rule of our Lord. It's a reminder that whatever other things seem to be in control of our lives, whatever they might be, that these will one day be no more when Christ's reign and rule is fully present. Living into the reign of Christ means trusting God's spirit to lead us always towards that end. These words were as timely for the Ephesians then as they are for us today. In this time of pandemic and uncertainty, of division and change, we know the worries facing this early church community, striving to find its footing, striving to find its unity in the midst of an oppressive Roman Empire. We know these worries, yet like the Ephesians, we can respond with hope and unity as we commit anew to the reign of Christ. Whatever other powers seem to rule on earth, their power is finite and it's limited because we know that one day Christ's reign will be complete and that everything, everything that stands in opposition to this reign of love, peace, and justice will be no more. In our lesson this morning, we're reminded that all gratitude, all thanksgiving is rooted in God and that prayer is our way of naming and remaining mindful of this gratitude. We're also reminded that all worldly loyalties and allegiances are secondary to our loyalty and allegiance to God. In an uncertain, ever-changing, and divisive world, may we seek to give thanks and prayer for the many blessings in our lives. And may we, by faith, live into the reign of the one who is above every name that is named, Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.